Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Tenacious with Andy Christensen. I'm Jojo. I'm the producer of this podcast and uh, one of Andy's mentees, someone that has uh, learned a lot from him. There's another gentleman I had the pleasure of learning a lot from. Just recently, we recorded this episode with Michael Pittman. He's a marketing guru. He is a business owner, an entrepreneur, and it's a refreshing uh, interview because Michael is a guy not too much older than myself, only a few years older than me. And the two of us really had a great conversation. Andy kind of took the back seat on this one and really wanted to facilitate a great conversation between two young guys and uh, take more of a listening approach. Uh, just another reason I love Andy. Um, he's a humble guy. He he was so sweet and generous to offer me the ability to have this great conversation with Michael. And now I'm so excited that you guys have the same opportunity that I had, which is to hear from Michael. We had such a long and interesting conversation that this is actually going to be part one of two parts. This interview actually has to be split in two because Michael had had such amazing knowledge to drop on us. This is part one of two. So I hope you guys enjoy part one of our interview with Michael Pittman. Hey, so today we've got a real special guest. Michael Pittman is someone I met about six months ago, and it was a freak meeting, you know, where serendipity is at play, and one person meets another person that introduces you to another person. I won't get into the whole story, but we end up at a lunch place together, and I was just taken by this guy from the first minute. Like, uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, what, what's what's the phrase for it? Kindred spirits, kindred spirits. And we're probably 30 years in age difference, but you'd never know that, which means I never grew up or he's an old soul. I don't know which, but it was a great meeting and we've been hanging out ever since. So Michael, thank you for letting me be in your life. And today we get to hear from you. You're a great businessman at 20 something. I don't know how that's possible, We've got Joseph here as the host. He's in his 20s. I'm hoping these guys just ask each other a bunch of questions and I can sit back and learn. And if you need a little bit of the, I don't know if you can refer to yourself as an OG, but I'll say that versus the 50-year-old guy. And we're going to talk about business and how hard and how easy maybe it is at times. And without any further ado, Joseph, let's see if you can get things going with Michael. Yeah, Michael, thank you so much for being here, man. We're super, super psyched. We've had a few different guests on the podcast thus far, and no one with quite your level of expertise in your specific field. Can you kind of break down what you do and uh, kind of why you do it? Okay, so first of all, thank you guys for just being so complimentary of me. I mean, I know I gave you a certain rate. Your wife rate. paid us off. Oh, I was going to say, I know I gave you a certain rate before the call, <laughs> but I think you guys over-delivered. And so I uh, appreciate you guys for that. And to mention a little bit about me, my name is Michael. I have a marketing company that has multiple divisions within it. So that is the long and short of it. And I'm super geeked to be with you guys on the podcast. Okay, I have a question right off the bat for you, Michael. Okay. So you and I are both in our 20s, and you know, people like Andy, that their bodies are riddled with arthritis. They can barely get out of bed in the morning. Uh, the dentures are in. <laughs> people like Andy, we'll call them old fogies. Old fogies like Andy. I'm, Wooden I'm sorry, teeth. man. I'm sorry, man. But, uh, you know, I feel like in prior generations, 
you grow up with kind of a career path in mind. You choose in school what you're going to do. You get a job. You're there for 30 years. And our generation is just completely different. The way we do work and the way that we fall into our careers is is very, very different in a lot of ways. What was the life cycle of you kind of landing uh, landing in marketing and specifically you know, doing this niche? I know that for a lot of us, we have the desire to be successful, whether that be owning a business or whatever. How long did it take you to really land on marketing as the thing you wanted to pursue? Uh, it took a few years, but it went through, I think you put it appropriately, a life cycle, right? So I was in college. I was getting my bachelor's degree from Southern Methodist University in Dallas in engineering, but I didn't really like engineering. I decided to do engineering because I love the school and the engineering school gave me the most scholarship money. So I said, oh, I guess I'm an engineer now. Then uh, I'm at SMU and I'm like many other broke college students at the time. And I had a buddy of mine say, hey, do you want to make some extra money? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. Doing what? He said, selling insurance. And I was just like, <laughs> insurance um okay that's that's fine um but you know he his the guy who was uh his manager was making like three hundred thousand dollars a year and the guy above him was making 3.4 million dollars a year or something like that and i was like i didn't even think that i didn't even know people could make that with you know, who looked like me without being six feet four, you know, with a good jump shot, you know? <laughs> so, so I was like, well, you know what? I've always had an affinity towards money. And, uh, you know, I got a chance to learn about money. And it was through that experience that I actually learned a lot, not just about insurance, but about finances and money and stuff in general. I uh, became a mutual fund broker licensed federally. Um became a mutual fund broker licensed federally at like the age of 21, 22. And I just like loved teaching people about money and personal finance. I didn't grow up with a whole bunch of it. And I just, it was an easy way to connect with people on something that they found to be important to them. So I uh, then over a course series of events, um, started my own financial literacy company and I realized that in order, even though I felt like I had an amazing product, I didn't know how to get it, you know, in front of people. I knew how to sell people like that was easy and I knew the product was good, but that in between was really tricky. So I had to learn marketing for myself and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the ability to write words on a website that move people to selling. I found, um, excitement and structuring things in a way in an email that makes people buy you know like i just i just thought that it was kind of like putting having a skill that became an atm machine whenever i needed it as long as i could get in front of the right audience and that ability to market uh was attractive to people within my network and so i started networking with um you know, people and they say, hey, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? Can you coach me on this? Can you coach me on that? I think even me and Andy had a couple of business coaching sessions. Um, so so um, then, you know, over time, people, you know, started contracting out, us out to do some marketing stuff. And then it grew to a, a pretty 
nice income. And I said, oh, I guess we have a marketing company now. And we wanted to niche down and decided to do dentistry because, uh, first off, the, I believe that well, I actually had like a wisdom tooth infection whenever, uh, like a few months back, and I was looking for a dentist to go to. And I realized that people are always going to have like pains and problems with their teeth and that it's probably uh, pandemic proof. You know, it's probably an essential business and uh, you deal with some really sharp people. So I wanted to create a proprietary solution for them, which is where the artificial intelligence and machine learning come in. And that's kind of how we got here today. Okay, I want to I want to zoom in like really, really, really far in on one thing you, you said. There was this there was this spot where you talked about how you kind of started, you got you grew the affinity for money, you had a, a product to market, which was your financial literacy company. And then you kind of said through variety of networking, you ended up building a clientele. That's what I want to zoom in on. How you're an incredibly personable person, Michael. This is where I think a lot of people get hung up. A lot of entrepreneurs get hung up. They don't know where to start when it comes to networking, when it comes to making valuable connections, and obviously building a clientele is something that's incredibly difficult for anyone. But I want to know, like on a on a tactile surface level, like how did you go about networking to kind of expand your marketing company in those early days? Um, well, initially, when it came to like the financial literacy side, my network was. Um, were, were sometimes my customers and sometimes it was my friends and family that, you know, just really saw what I was doing and was just like, Hey, you know, like I want to, I want to learn a little bit more about that. I think that that's even how me and Andy ended up, you know, having a little meeting is it was just, he saw what I was doing online and, you know, we, we've grown a following on social media. That's pretty significant. And, you know, people were just wondering, like, hey, how can I do that same thing? I know I want to go digital, but I don't necessarily know where to start. So I think from that side, it's just helping people and helping friends and helping them get results. I just had a girl who was, um, man, if we were on video, uh, like, I would I would show you a, the screenshot. But she actually sent me a DM on Instagram today saying that she made... A she's a single woman. She made $104,000 this year um, using me, you know, our, my strategies and my coaching. But what was cool about that was about a year before that, she was just getting evicted out of her apartment. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, there's another client that I have and um he and his wife were able to use some of the strategies that I, I implemented with them from a marketing standpoint and business strategy standpoint to pay off uh, over $200,000 of their debt, which is pretty cool. Um, I think that just getting results, if you just get enough people results, then the networking and clientele kind of just happen, you know, like even the opportunities that we have now. It wasn't because I was at some swanky events, you know, it was because I had friends who had friends who said, man, we really need help with marketing or something. And they said, hey, I know a guy. And so that's really how that played out. But if you want to go in a certain direction of like sh straight, cold, B2B, 
like outreach, how to like start giving clientele. Um, we can go there as well, but I want to at least be genuine with the first, you know, like milestone on how I got my start in marketing no, that with the sounds, clientele that I had. That answers my question. And it sounds like what you're saying is you had to deliver big on a small scale first. Yeah, totally. Like you had to start. Yeah. Word of mouth and start and start by just delivering super, super big, which makes a lot of sense. I want to follow up on that, Michael. You you go you have this consulting, marketing, financial literacy thing on one side, and then you have this proprietary AI specifically niched down to do marketing for dentistry on the other side. My question to you is, on a day-to-day level, how are you splitting up your time between that? I know you're also a father of, I think, two children. Is yep. that correct? Yep, yep, yep. Your father, father of two, you're a husband. Um, it sounds like you're a pretty active guy in your community. How are you balancing all of that right now? Actually, um, with a singular focus. So I my financial business is probably 95 percent automated and that's conservative like it's very much so runs on its own i probably only put in maybe if i put in two hours a month into that business like that's a that's 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 heavy you know so um i don't think that I mean, there are probably some people out there who have the capacity to do multiple things at once. You know, I'm not saying that it's impossible to walk and chew gum at the same time. But what I am saying is that for somebody like me, um, I have to have like a singular focus. And so um, with the financial company, there was a moment where it was like this was my singular focus. And then I got that stable and then I moved on to a different singular focus. So. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that I also hire out. So I understand that, you know, let's let's take the, let's just take, let's just get like really, really tactical business strategy for a second, right? So within a business, there are only five areas, uh, four to five areas that, are, that could go wrong with your business. The first is that you're not booking appointments. The second is that those appointments aren't showing up. The third is that when those appointments show up, they're not being closed. The fourth is that when those appointments are closed, they're not being fulfilled uh, properly. And then the fifth is that even if they're being fulfilled well, there is no retention strategy to keep them longer. So within those five frameworks, Within each of them, there are other frameworks within the framework. So if you're not booking enough appointments, then it could be for a few things. It could be that you're, you don't have enough volume. You're, you're, you're marketing to the wrong audience. The, you're marketing to the right audience, but you have the wrong offer. Like there's a, there's a, a, a litany of things. But the big idea is that I do my best in order to balance my time to figure out what within the frameworks do I enjoy doing. And what do I not enjoy doing? And basically hire out all the stuff I don't enjoy doing so that I'm not spending my wills in something that isn't within my genius zone. And that gives me the ability to have the energy to double down on my strengths. Does that make sense? 
Hey, let me jump in. I think people are going to be listening to this and really interested in that genius zone. And they're going to be asking, how did you discover that for yourself? Or maybe even more simply put, how would I discover it for me? Yeah, absolutely. I think that a good way to discover your genius zone is to just consider your shape. Um, And so shape stands for S, your special gifts. Um, Some people in the faith-based or religious community may call it spiritual gifts. And uh, gifts are something that you give to others, right? So for some people, uh, they have the gift of just encouraging. For some people, they have the gift of teaching and motivating. For other people, they have the gift of working with their hands, you know? But whatever your gift is, um, like, consider that to be special. H is your heart. Heart is like, okay, what do I really care about? You know, what matters to me? Believe it or not, the things that get on your nerves don't get on everybody else's nerves. You ever been in a situation where, like, you're telling somebody about something and you're, like, really passionate about it and they look at you they're like, oh, yeah, okay. And you're just like, why are you not, like, enraged or incited? <laughs> like, what is your problem? And that just shows that for that particular thing, you had a heart for it, you know? And, and that's important to, to recognize because many times the things that we identify as problems are what we're called to be the solution to. And I believe that that's where purpose begins is finding the solution to problems in the world that you're called to solve. So that's H. A stands for abilities. Uh, Simply put, um, you know, if you think you're good at something, but other people have not confirmed your competency in that area, then it's probably not an ability. I'm really great at singing in the shower, uh, but not really in front of people. (laughs) So I think that understanding your abilities, you you know, what am I talented at? You know, there's some gifts. Some people are like, what's the difference between like a gift and an ability? You know, there are some, like when it comes to gifts, you typically give those away, but then there are certain abilities that you have that can actually just serve you yourself. Like for instance, if you're really good at cooking, like sure, you can cook a meal for yourself. Like that wouldn't be difficult, but it'd be really difficult for you to just vocally teach yourself, you know, something like you would be teaching another person. I don't know exactly how to, how, how, how to put it. Um, you know, I, I would say this, I would say that, um, if I'm thinking about like a special gift example, if, if for somebody to be an encourager, right? Like, sure, you can encourage and motivate yourself, but that gift is fully expressed when you do that for someone else. However, whenever you have the talent of, you know, cooking, or if you have the talent of, you know, baking, I guess I'm hungry. Um, But, (laughs) you know, those things are things that you can do to serve yourself. P stands for personality. So the way that an introvert would express their gifts and talents is different than the way an extrovert would express their gifts and talents. An Enneagram 2 would express their gifts and talents different than an Enneagram 8. You know, like understanding your personality is important. And then also E stands for experiences. You know, your life experiences, family experiences, educational experiences, vocational experiences. Like these experiences shape who you are, especially the painful experiences, because who better to walk someone else through their pain than someone who's gone through the same thing that can be empathetic toward them in that way? And so 
When it comes to finding your zone of genius, understanding your shape may not be the end all, be all, reveal all, but you know, it'll get you, it'll move you in the right direction. That's for sure. Five really good filters. Really good filters. Yeah, I, I was actually just taking notes on that, Michael. That's that's super good. Um, I want you to dig a little bit into for us, kind of. We've got the career background. I want to know a little bit more about what's made you, from an experiential standpoint. I'm looking at the shape that you just walked through, and I kind of, I, I kind of know your career experience. What's been your life experience for the most part, Michael? Like, what are the experiences that have shaped you the most, and what do you think is has shaped you in the in a career sense, but things that have nothing to do with your career. Yeah, I mean, well. I, yeah, for sure. I think for sure, definitely uh, my spirituality and my faith. You know, I believe in the biblical Christian God. Um, and I just believe that regardless of your persuasion, I have. I, I think that having a, a life that's lived for something bigger than yourself, uh, for more than yourself, is is, is going to lead to a more impactful and purposeful life. And that's how that plays out for me. Um, you know, other experiences I had, I had great parents, mom and dad. Um, I, I, I was, I, I was always, so my mom and dad had me when they were 20 and 21 years old, 20 years old. No, they were, they were both 20. And, um, so I really grew up with my parents because they were college kids who were broke, didn't have much. And so I was always, you know, Andy mentioned it earlier, you know, a little bit of an old soul. And I mean, it's just because I really had to mature along with my parents as they were growing up and maturing themselves. And so um, I think that, that that definitely shaped me. Like, I don't think it's common for, you know, a kid in fourth grade to be listening to Earth, Wind and Fire on the way to school. But but that was EWF, <laughs> you know, uh, EWF, baby. So um, I just think that, that that that's been a part of me. And and I think that that also played itself out in my academic performance as well and, and doing well in school. Um, you know, but like I said, we didn't grow up with much. You know, whenever I was two years old, three years old, we were living in a trailer home, trailer park. And I just knew I think that that's why I, I was so attracted to that opportunity in college is because I just knew that there was a certain life that I didn't live, but wanted to live and was determined to make happen. And I'm just so grateful um, that, that I'm well on my way there. But I think that, like I said, those painful experiences of times where, you know, um, lights were off or, you know, we had tuna fish for, multiple nights in a row or something like that. Like those are the things that shape me and, and drive me today to, to be the person who I feel like I'm really supposed to be. What did, uh, what did college do for you, man? I think what college did for me is it exposed me to a different level of, of what was possible and accessible. It raised the bar. So I grew up a regular you know, lower middle class to a point middle class guy. And whenever I was growing up, when you grow up lower class to middle class and you're black, you know, I mean, 
the money is in being a doctor or a lawyer. Like, that's kind of really just what I heard. Um, and that's if you're not going to the league, right? So, um, which, you know, whenever I walked into high school at four foot nine, 70 pounds soaking wet, <laughs> I realized that that was probably, the, the <laughs> league uh, was probably not going to be where I would make my living. So, um, never give up hope, Michael. You know what? I'm going to take your word for that, Jojo. Let me hop off this call and jump on a <laughs> jump, jump in the gym. So, um, I would say that the, um, the college experience at SMU, SMU is a private, predominantly white, very wealthy institution. Uh, it's about $75,000 a year to go there, um, as of today. And, um, you know, whenever I was growing up, it was doctors and lawyers. Like that's where the money is. When I got to SMU, I met people whose parents were the CEOs of hospitals, CEOs of, of, of restaurants. And I'm not saying, and I'm not talking about like, oh, your dad is the franchise owner of Whataburger. It's no, your dad is the CEO of Whataburger and I can Google him and he comes up like, Mm -hmm. and it was just, it was just different experiences. Like I remember you're talking money, money, I'm talking money, money. In fact, in my, in my incoming freshman class, there was a girl named Michelle Marriott and another girl named Alexis Walgreens. So, I mean, you know, there you go. We're talking. Were like, they sitting? The, were they sitting next to Daryl Taco Bell? <laughs> no, no, no. But air, I was, little known heir to the Taco Bell. <laughs> no, but I, I was uh, the RA uh, for uh, an individual whose parent was the CEO of Taco Cabana. If you guys have ever been there, or heard of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, just plenty of money everywhere, and it was just like, okay, so. There's more that's possible and out there. And I, I think that it's so funny when I, I remember being in like a, it may have been my sophomore year. I was in a sophomore in, in my accounting class and the professor asked the class, who in here is interested in owning their own business one day? And I saw hands flying up all around the classroom. And I thought to myself, why would anyone want to go through the headache of owning their own business? Like, who would do that? And um, little did I know, right? So I just think that it exposed me to a lot of wealth, to a lot of people, a lot of different connections, a lot of opportunities. And uh, man, I loved my college experience uh, at SMU. Do you feel like it takes do you feel like it takes a certain type of personality to be confronted with all of that and be inspired rather than intimidated? <sighs> That's a great question. Um I, I I think so, but I also do not want to discount or overlook something I mentioned earlier, which is that I had really great parents. I had a great support system at home. Uh, and I had people my entire life tell me that I was going to be successful. So 
was I that type of person or was I conditioned to be that type of person based on my environment? I don't know. It's worth considering because I believe that there are people who get discouraged and because of the fears of people in their environment, those fears get projected onto them and thus, um, it, 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 and thus, they may not make some of the same decisions that I made, not because they're not smarter, not because they're not just as good or better. Uh, probably They probably are smarter and, or even better, but they just didn't have like the, the, the support, the mentorship, the coaching, the, 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 the intangible things um, that, that may drive them to make the, the, the next step. Because in reality, I was still intimidated but I was motivated enough to just work through my intimidation. So it's not like I wasn't nervous or like that, that being inspired and being intimidated are mutually exclusive. Oftentimes they're not. Um, more times than not, they're not. But I think that for me, it was, okay, despite this intimidation, I'm willing to move forward, but that's not something that other people are willing to do. Um, either because of their own limiting beliefs or because of the environment or maybe a little bit of both. Okay, I'm interrupting now to let you guys know that this is only part one of our two-part interview with Michael Pittman. If there's been anything in this interview that's been of value to you, please subscribe to the podcast so you're updated the very moment that this podcast drops and you're able to listen to part two. We want to thank Michael again so much for just being a part of uh, Tenacious and dropping so much wisdom, and I cannot wait to share part two of this interview with you guys next time.